Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Greg Vondendries. He is the founder of Rock Tape. Greg, welcome to today's show. Thank you. So, Greg, for, for the listeners here, and, and of course we're videotaping this, and this, this rock tape has really uh, taken a, the, the, the industry by storm in terms of your, your saying is that it uh, goes stronger, longer, and helping to uh, stabilize some of the muscle groups. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's sports figure, you often see it on basketball courts, uh, the NFL, and uh, you know, people wearing the tape. But I want to I wanna get back into how did you, uh, how did you uh, get started into, uh, into starting rock tape and moving from the tech industry? What was your background prior to that? Sure. Um, well, after I got out of prison, uh, I was on a work release program. I'm, I'm of course, I, kidding. Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I have uh, a 20-year tech vet uh, here in Silicon Valley selling bits, bods, and bytes for many, many years. Loved it. Um, but in probably 1999, I got exposed to kind of the confluence of technology and sports. Uh, we had a startup. Um, back in 99 called Sport Brain, and it was the predecessor to what we now know as Fitbit. And uh, we developed a internet-enabled pedometer and raised $19 million and then promptly lost it all uh, during the dot-com crash. But that product really helped me understand um, the, the opportunities associated with bringing technology into health and wellness. Uh, and so that piqued my uh, original interest in that, that space. And then I did a couple of other gigs. I was a senior VP at Gateway Computer, if you remember them. Um, did a turnaround uh, for a wireless company. Um, and then got involved with another wearable tech company um, back in 2007. Uh, we were making um, integrated heart rate monitoring technology that got woven into clothing. Um, and at that time, um, no one was doing that. And one day, a little company called Adidas, uh, Americans call it Adidas, but it's really Adidas, uh, came calling and uh, they wanted the technology and they ended up buying the whole company uh, in 2008, right before the GFC, the global financial crisis. And uh, after that transaction, I had a lot of time on my hands and I was a competitive cyclist at the time. and training for a big race and I got injured. And so I went to my local PT and got taped with a similar product. Absolutely loved it, solved my injury. Problem was it wouldn't stick on me because I was riding a lot at the time. And that's kind of when I had the epiphany that perhaps I could maybe make a better product. So you, uh, so you ventured out into, is it 2009 roughly? Yeah, well, that's kind of when the concept hit me. We didn't really get started until about 10, 2010. Okay, and, and then when you started out, was it just you, or did you have a yep. couple people? Okay, It's just me, me and my garage, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. I sat down, uh, did a lot of research, and figured out how to make a better product. And, and so when you, uh, when you started out, I guess initially the... Uh, uh, rock tape. Most people are knowing it for the, and you, you see this all over the place. But but you know, how long was it before you went from concept to actual product? About a year. You know, it took me about three months to really identify the properties that I was looking in, uh, looking for in the new product. And then it took me another good six months to identify a supplier who could make it the way that I wanted. 
uh, having spent a lot of time in, in tech, I'd spent many, many years on factory floors in China. Uh, and the thing about China is, you know, it's just as easy to get a good deal as it is to get a bad deal. And when you're starting something, the last thing you really want to be worried about is quality control. So while I looked for manufacturers in China, uh, I also looked for manufacturers in South Korea because I had spent a lot of time there. And uh, long story short, Koreans are very quality uh, conscious. Uh, you pay a little bit more, obviously, but you get a superior product. And uh, as an entrepreneur, I knew that my time was spent better in the sales and marketing side rather than on the manufacturing side. So I went to Korea instead of China uh, to find a contract manufacturer that could meet my specs. How did you decide on the name Rock Tape? Oh, funny story. Um, so I made a list. And at the top of the list were all the usual candidates, you know, muscle tape, you know, fit tape. and. Every single one, uh, when I did a URL search, I found that it was taken. So I got down to about number eight or nine on the list, which was rock tape. And lo and behold, the URL was available. And I thought, eh, uh, I guess that's an okay name. <laughs> I wish I could say I was a marketing genius, but it was simply luck. So I'm visiting here today with Greg Vondendries. And Greg, I need to take a quick break. Sure. And uh, we'll be right back after this message. Since you can't take your wealth with you, spend time with your family. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Greg Vandendries. He is the founder of Rock Tape. And um, in the first segment, we talked about the inspiration to move into starting this new company. And and But I want to start this segment with the question of what is, exactly is kinesiology tape? Uh, it's a great question, and we get it all the time. So kinesiology tape is it's an elastic therapeutic tape. Um, what makes it different than probably all the other tape that you've ever used, including white coaches tape, is, is that it stretches, uh, whereas white tape is rigid tape. It, it does not stretch. So typically in injuries, um, you, you use white tape to immobilize an area. You restrain the movement, right? Um, so if you sprain an ankle, right, your coach tape, tapes you up and that provides stability um, on that joint. Kinesiology tape is exactly the opposite of that. Because it stretches, it allows mobility. So you can still be active and that's why athletes love this so much. It still provides stability, but it doesn't reduce range of motion. So that's one key component about uh, kinesiology tape. The other key aspect is, is that it decompresses an area rather than compresses. And so why is that important? So by decompressing the area where there's an injury, you actually, actually promote fluid dynamics. In other words, you can move fluid in and out of that area. So if you have a sprained ankle, it tends to swell. What you wanna do is remove that lymphatic fluid that's causing the swelling and get that dissipated. It also accelerates blood flow into that area, which accelerates uh, recovery and healing. So those are the two key principles behind kinesiology tape. At the end of the day, it stabilizes, 
but it also decompresses. Um, the third and less important but interesting aspect of kinesiology tape is, is it provides a proprioceptive cue. So that's a fancy way of saying when you put tape on skin, it helps your body understand where it is in three-dimensional space, right? Just like a high-top basketball shoe doesn't really prevent an ankle roll. What it does is it touches the athlete's skin on the ankle and gives them a proprioceptive cue that they're about to roll their ankle so they can take preventative measures. So in our case, when we take a, let's say, a 13-year-old girl who texts all day like this, you uh, take a piece of tape, put it on uh, the upper traps, and it provides that proprioceptive cue to get back into that natural open position. You know, it's interesting that uh, it's such a simple concept, but it took the industry a while to figure out this concept of how it could revolutionize the industry. Now, how does how does your tape, rock tape, differentiate from the competitors out sure. there? Sure. Great question. Uh, and we get it all the time. So the short uh, answer is we're stretchier, stickier, and just way cooler. So we stretch about 180% versus 130%, which is most uh, of what the competition in, does. Um, and we're about twice as sticky. So we actually stay on the skin for a much longer period of time, which is the original problem that you know, I was trying to solve. The important aspect of that is, is if you have a, a tape that's very, very sticky, but doesn't stretch, you can induce skin irritation and that's not good. So being able to get the balance between stickiness and stretchiness is kind of our secret sauce. That's what makes us very, very unique. The last part is, is we're just way, way cooler. Uh, we make it in probably 70 different styles and colors. So we've licensed uh, the MLB team so you can get it. Uh, you can get the Red Sox. You can get the White Sox. You can get uh, the Dodgers. Boo. Right. <laughs> of course, you can get the, the Giants. Uh, and it comes in just a bunch of fun different patterns and styles. Yeah, you know, when this uh, – the, the, I imagine that when you're getting started out, trying to get the right channels for distribution was not – I mean, it was a strategic decision. Uh, but you mentioned earlier that you're looking at now moving stronger into the retail markets. Yes. Uh, so we are primarily a medical company. We, uh, about 75% of our revenue comes out of the medical channel. So we sell to doctors, hospitals, clinics, uh, physiotherapists, uh, chiropractors, that type of thing. Um, but um, healthcare is an interesting beast. Um, the cool thing about rock tape, and, and this is true for all kinesiology tape, is, is it's very cost effective. Um, so what we have found is, is that there is a very large market on the retail uh, side of the business for self-care. So you may get injured, you may go to uh, your chiropractor or physical therapist for a lower back uh, issue, uh, and they'll work with you to, to get you through uh, this continuum of care where they give you some corrective exercises and then they might tape you to help support uh, the corrective exercises that they've, they've given to you. Um, <clears throat> it, taping is fairly simple. Uh, so what we've determined in conjunction with our medical professional channel is, is that there is a great opportunity for consumers who have gone and seen a professional uh, and, and started their rehab journey to be able to go to a CVS or an REI or a Dick Sporting Goods and pick up a roll and self-tape. I'm visiting here today with Greg Vandendries. And Greg, I need to take another break, and we'll be right back after these messages to talk more about rock tape. You got it. 
I love fishing, you know, with my family. I think it would be easier to use a net. It was so much fun. The times when we are together, it makes it all, all the more worth it. Having Dad teach them how to, like, cast a fly rod and... As long as we're doing stuff together, we're having fun. Some people see a father and a son fishing together, while others see a succession plan. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Greg Vandendries. He's the founder of Rock Tape. And Greg, in the earlier segments, we talked about you know you know you're getting the concept of Rock Tape launched and uh, and and how it has evolved into the company that it is today. Um, but are there other non-athletic uses for the tape that that are focused in on? Sure. Uh, as I mentioned previously, 75% of our business is through medical channels. So. Um, I think one out of four Americans suffer from lower back issues, right? It is a uh, pretty pervasive injury slash illness, and it ranges from overuse to degenerative discs to you name it. Um, so in our medical channel, we have about 35,000 medical pros throughout the world that use our products every day for therapeutic applications. And they can range from, again, lower back to Achilles tendonitis, uh, runner's knee, plantar fasciitis, rotator cuff injuries, ACL, MCL, you name it. Um, we've developed a application for pregnancy taping. So when uh, you're pregnant, you add about 20 pounds out into the front of the body, which destroys your posture which leads to lower back issues. So we've developed basically a, a baby belt uh, taping application that offloads that additional weight back to larger muscle groups uh, to resolve those kinds of issues. Uh, I mentioned postural correction. Um, the list goes on and on. Rock tape is really kind of like duct tape for the human body. So when um, what are some of the other products? You, you mentioned about the pregnancy tape, uh, you know, that, and also a lot of 75% for medical uses. Mm -hmm. but, but when you're looking out into the future, what are the markets right now that, that are out there that you haven't ventured into yet? Sure. Well, we have a lot of blue ocean to cover with tape. Um, there's... Uh, 13 international rock tape offices now that cover about 60 countries, uh, and they're all in various stages of development. Um, but between the medical community and the retail community, we have a lot of uh, opportunity to sell more, more tape, but we also make a lot of other products. We like to think of ourselves as a movement company, not as a tape company. So in addition to tape, we also sell um, protective apparel. So we're kind of big in the CrossFit industry. So we make a variety of uh, products from knee sleeves and gloves and, and uh, wrist wraps uh, for that particular market. We also sell a line of topical analgesics. So these are things like kind of like Bengay, but Bengay on crack. They're really, really powerful. And they're designed to work in conjunction with the tape. So you can actually lay tape on the injured area, then hit it with the analgesic, keeps that structure nice and warm. Uh, we sell a line of mobility products. We also sell over a million dollars uh, a year worth of education. So not only do we sell products uh, to the medical professionals, but we also teach them how to use it. And that's a wonderful thing because um, the medical profession has to obtain um, 16 hours of continuing education credits every year to keep their license current. 
Uh, so they're often looking for innovative and interesting classes to attend to satisfy that requirement. And so that's turned out to be a very big business for us as well. You know, I'm noticing the industry of the wearables. A lot of companies have struggled uh, moving into the industry, but you've got, you've you've pushed through all those obstacles and are one of the few that have really found success uh, with that. So, in 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 the question of when you're when you're looking at with 2020 hindsight, what you did right, and then if you had to go back and do it again, would you do things differently? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I can tell you that as an entrepreneur, um, I get this, uh, this question frequently, which is, I got a day job, but I got this idea, and I, I want to get it started, but I can't justify quitting my day job and making a full-time commitment to this new thing that I want to get going. And I was in that same place. Um, even though I've done seven startups, uh, failure is scary. And every entrepreneur sits there and struggles with this. Um, I struggled with it too. I struggled with it for probably a good year before I finally convinced myself that this was the right thing to do. So <clears throat> if I could do anything over, I would have probably jumped in a lot sooner. And, and so, and, and when you're looking at uh, the company today, you've done this pretty much by yourself. I mean, you haven't taken outside money, is that correct? That is correct, yeah. So, and, so it's and, all self-funded. And, and that must be, uh, I guess you had experience in the first, in the first seven companies that you did of not oh, yeah. going that direction. So <laughs> how, how is life for you? <laughs> Life's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think over my career, I've probably raised... 50 to $60 million in uh, venture capital for a variety of entities. Um, and it, it's not good, it's not bad, it's, it's a way to do it. Uh, obviously, if everyone could roll their own and self-fund, people would do that. But there's certain industries and, and classes of products that just are capital intensive, and so you need outside capital um, to get those things started. Tape was a very interesting uh, project for me. Uh, I can remember the, the day that I placed my first order, uh, and I can remember the day that I received that first order. It was a whopping one pallet of product. And I had it shipped to my garage, and there I stood looking at this big pile of product, and I was like, <laughs> now i got to figure out how to sell this stuff. Um, so uh, I was very fortunate in that I was able to figure that out without having to go out and raise a bunch of capital. The bottom line is, is it's all about hustle. You know, if, you, if you're a good hustler, you can figure things out. How has technology played into this with the, the Internet and, you know, the, 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 the being able to use that as an yeah. organ system? Have you used that pretty oh. heavily? You know, if I had started this business 20 years ago, I'd be sending you a roll of tape in the mail along with a VHS cassette deck, right? Uh, completely different kind of business model. Um, and I probably would have had to raise a bunch of money. <clears throat> but with the power of the internet, we've been a digital first brand, meaning that we've been able to go out and develop our customer base primarily through social media. Um, social media is an incredibly powerful marketing tool and we utilize it extensively. Uh, in addition, I can deliver, I think we probably have the largest kinesiology taping video library in the world now. There's probably over 200 uh, online videos that you can watch in HD. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that without the internet. So it's played a significant part. How the heck did you 
navigate this minefield of moving through business and continue to own 100% of it and, and, and get where you are today? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and we could probably talk for hours on this. But uh, when I get asked this question, it's typically from an entrepreneur who's thinking about starting their own business, right? And the first thing I ask them is, is what problem are you solving? And they either know or they don't. And if they don't, I tell them to go back to the drawing board. Because if you don't understand who your customer is and the problem that you're trying to solve, you're bound to fail. So job number one is really understanding the problem and then developing a solution that really resonates with that, that consumer or customer. So uh, after that, then it's about, well, you know, how do you get sales and marketing? How do you figure out logistics, you know, manufacturing? There's a plethora of issues that any entrepreneur uh, will face. Um, it's all about leverage at the end of the day. If you are solving a true business problem uh, for a consumer or a customer, then the next big challenge is how do you appear to be this larger or, uh, company than you actually are when you're starting? Because if you're trying to go out and close a $10 million deal with, uh, you know, on a B2B side, right? Uh, typically customers don't want to buy from some young whippersnapper who's just, you know, trying to figure things out. So you really have to create a presence around yourself and around your company. And you do that, or at least I've done that, um, by leveraging the power of the internet. Uh, it's a wonderful way to go out and create not only a brand, but a presence that consumers and businesses can then find, discover, and then interact with. Um, you have to be spot on with social media and your ability to interact with those inquiries as they come because uh, in today's environment, when someone sends you an email or sends you an Instagram direct message, you got to be able to be in a position to respond immediately or you've lost a golden opportunity. It seems like the, uh, the, the, the more technology advances, it, it's that quickness for execution uh, it, that becomes so critical. Yeah, speed is life. Uh, it always has been in the startup uh, world and always will be in an established business. Uh, there are many competitors uh, in my industry and in every industry that are waiting for you to pause, to take a breath so they can jump on that opportunity and steal market share. You cannot afford to rest. How do you stay ahead of the competition? I don't sleep. <laughs> uh, every night I think about, you know, what is my competition going to do tomorrow, right? And the next day and the next day. Uh, so we try never to rest on our laurels. We've achieved great success, but that's in the past. Uh, you got to think about what's coming down the pipe and, and get ready for it. So you're 13 countries, 60 offices? Correct. And, and the, in the U.S. presence, what is your, what is your, your scale here? Oh, we're small. Uh, yeah, we're a small business. Uh, yeah. We employ 23 people here in the United States. We use a lot of contractors, obviously, to help us both domestically and internationally. But we try to keep our footprint small, not because of cost, but because we, we have to remain nimble. If I had 450 employees, um, we'd be having a very different conversation. That just speaks to the effect that if you use technology right, you can uh, Absolutely. Quickly. Absolutely. So, for more information on Rock Tape, where would a person go? Rocktape.com. I've been visiting here today with Greg Vandendries and uh, founder of Rock Tape. And Greg, appreciate you being on today's show. Thank you.